Hello, everyone. Welcome to Jumping with Jumi. Today, we are talking all about emotional intelligence, empathy, and how to build better, better relationships and to communicate better and the value of therapy and helping us do all of that with our relationships. You're going to hear from professional speakers who are experts in emotional intelligence, communication, empathy, in addition to two licensed clinical psychologists. So if you're wondering how to tap into your emotional intelligence, lose any anxiety that you might be feeling when it comes to returning to in-person interactions and really embrace your emotions, this is the episode for you. And you want to make sure your friends and family are tuning in and to get these tips and tools because you won't get them anywhere. And these experts are here to give things to you straight. No chaser. It is going to be such a great show. So do me a favor and share this. Tag a friend. Make sure you like it. Make sure you love it. Start a watch party. And let's get in tune with our emotions together. So with that, let me introduce our first group of guests. Sylvia Before is a professional speaker trainer and executive coach focused on helping organizations thrive and succeed with emotional intelligence strategies. She's the author of I Dare You to Care, a book focused on using emotional intelligence skills to inspire, influence, and achieve remarkable growth. She's among the most sought after speakers and professional development trainers. Please help me in welcoming Sylvia Buffoy. Hi, Sylvia. Hi there. Very nice <laughs> to meet you. Welcome, welcome. All right, let's introduce our next guest. Our next guest is Dr. Tara Reed, and she is a certified master mindset coach and highly sought out dynamic leader and speaker with expertise in communication among many other areas. She's on a journey to improve the way we all communicate, helping people transform the way they communicate with themselves, with others, and also how people communicate with you. Help me welcome Dr. Tara Reed. Hey, Dr. Reed. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you for jumping in. All right, and before we really get started with the conversation, let me bring up our next guest. Denicia Hilton is a holistic well-being consultant and doctor of Eastern medicine. Her mission is to empower all women by fostering the skills and resources needed to obtain self-sufficiency and mental, emotional wellness and the cultivation of relationships. Please help me welcome Dr. Denicia Hilton. Hey, Dr. Denicia, how are you? Hey, y'all. <laughs> I'm well. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for having me. <laughs> Everybody watching, y'all are in for such a treat with these powerful women. And so I just want to jump right into the conversation. You know, we are going to talk about emotional intelligence, empathy, and communication, and you all are experts in all of these fields. So let's get started. But I want to make sure that, you know, everybody really understands what emotional intelligence truly is. So, Sylvia, let's start with you. What is emotional intelligence? And can you just identify and dispel at least one myth about it? Yeah, well, you know, I think it's a, it's a good question for us to all kind of be on the same page with. And I, I would just brand it as this. Emotional intelligence is simply how well do you understand your own emotions and the impact that they have on you and the people around you. So that's it in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. If you forget everything else we say about EI, as I'm going to call it often, okay. um, just, you know, how well do you do, you, how intelligent are you in the way you use your emotions to work for you and not against you? Um, really what one myth I would say is that people, uh, people think that empathy is about being nice, right? Because empathy is one of the core pillars of emotional intelligence. And oftentimes people think that empathy is about being nice and it's not, you know, because sometimes you have to do things that are not nice, like, 
you know, if you're laying off employees, but it's the way in which you do it and the way you leave people feeling that matters. So empathy is about just making people feel seen and valued, even if you disagree with them. So that's the myth. It's that it's not just about being nice. So where is, uh-oh, where'd you go? There you are. <laughs> so what is some, what is, that's the, one of the major myths about it, that it's not just about people being nice? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a, another big myth though, is that um, people who are highly self-aware are highly emotionally intelligent. And I don't, I don't believe that's true because you can be very self-aware and aware of, of things, but if you don't use the awareness in a productive way, then what use is it, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's not just about being highly self-aware. You've then got to manage it and put it to good use to make it uh, make yourself emotionally intelligent. So what are some common signs that someone has high emotional intelligence versus somebody with low emotional intelligence? Uh, well, if that question is, is, is still to me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> go for it. I would say that um, if someone who has high emotional intelligence to me is someone who um, cares about how others feel, right? The impact they have on others. I think somebody who manages their emotions productively, you know, so manages the conversations going on in their head to help them manage when they're triggered emotionally. I think um, someone who has high emotional intelligence is aware of their blind spots, which mm. are illuminated by people on the outside when you seek out feedback from other people about how you could improve certain aspects of who you are. Mm -hmm. And to me, people who have low emotional intelligence could care less about the impact they have on people around them, right? Mm -hmm. I think a good sign that you have low emotional intelligence is if you are easily triggered and you have no ab ability to, to manage what you do with how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. um, I think another final one for low emotional intelligence has to be when you think you're flawless and, and you cannot be improved upon, that's really a big, big red flag, right? Mm. So. Oh, and you think you're flawless and you can't be improved upon. Oh, I, don't, I don't know where to go now. I'm so <laughs> like, that is intense. So like, where, what is that? So Denicia, is that, is that, has that, does that have to do with empathy, with how we see ourselves? What is going on when it comes to that? When it comes in particular to the being flawless part yeah. or all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think there's just, there's a lot of factors and Sylvia, I appreciate everything and how you explained it. Cause it, cause it is a very well-rounded uh, perspective into it. And I think that like when it comes into empathy and the emotional intelligence, they are two different things. And I think that one of the things that most people do not take into consideration is actually the physical implications. Mm. And so um, we're talking emotional intelligence. You're literally hitting the emotional and the mental sides, but not the physical. And so sometimes people might get confused about some things and then they're not embodying, meaning they're not really being in their body because they are so tapped into the other aspects. However, the physical is a huge part of them. Mm -hmm. And I think even as Sylvia ran down everything, you can actually feel that in the body. You can even pay attention to someone else's body and it'll tell you that it gives you hints of their mental state. It gives you hints of their emotional state. If you observe the body outside of you being a viewer, but then also for you within. Mm -hmm. So even when some might say, you know, they might shut off or try to shut off their emotional side, say they grew up with hearing um, very negative implications of being emotional, like you're too emotional, you're too sensitive, mm -hmm. and they, they might go to shut that part of them down. However, it doesn't really go away because it's inherent to each of us. And 
Next thing you know, they might show up with the physical. The physical form is going to change because the emotions is held there and it's held within the body. So like, I think that if we can bring the attention and the awareness there, then it can also help you when it comes to the emotional intelligence. It can help you with the empathy as well. I mean, you can easily be around a baby and they're not talking anything, but you can feel it. You feel them. So that is, so that's the thing. Where does empathy, when did we first learn empathy and how do we continue to build upon it? Like, what does that actually mean to be, because we hear, you know, you're an empath. What is an empath? What does that mean? Okay. So to be an empath, um, it's very interesting because I have, I, I've, I've observed this as well. So I'm kind of like in the middle of this observation and coming to conclusions about <laughs> things. Um, but like, cause there's certain people that say like, oh, I know I'm an empath, mm-hmm. meaning that they can pick up the emotions of other people, whether they are directly in front of them, whether they are thousands of miles away, whether it's actually communities like those people that could literally watch a video of something and then yeah. just start crying they yeah. or they can feel the pain right like and the thing is is i actually believe we're all empathetic we're it's all. just whether or not that you want to tap into it and uh, and whether or not you want to feel into it and the reason i think that hinders people from wanting to do it is because kind of alluding to what sylvia said once you become aware of that, there's almost a sense of responsibility. Oh, because what do you do with that? If I'm yeah. feeling this pain from watching something, someone being hurt, or or something like that, what am now it comes to me of what am I going to do with it? And some people just don't have the capacity to maintain. To do anything. And so therefore their response is I'm going to just shut down. I don't want to see anything that's happening. I don't want to feel anything that's happening because that means I'm going to have to do something about it. And then Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do. And we're going to get into that with the psychologist later on, because I think that is a part of it of what do I do? How do I manage the emotions? How do I communicate? And speaking of communication, like if you under, is it, a, is it something with communication and the inability to communicate, Dr. Reed, where people just want to completely shut down in addition to feeling uncomfortable? Right. I think fear sets in. And we know that if fear attaches itself to us, then the likelihood of us just checking out rises. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that was already mentioned, and I want to mention again, is the ability to have Mm self-awareness. We may be aware that a trigger has caused us to go into some type of reaction. We just don't know how to then react with that. And Mm -hmm. that's when emotional intelligence really kicks in with communication. So now we're starting to think about how we're listening or are we defensively listening? Are we ready to attack a person? Or are we really understanding what communication is being said? If you have somebody with high emotional intelligence, as I was said before, then that person knows how to absorb the information, back away from it, readjust, and then move forward. If you're dealing with someone with low emotional intelligence, that person didn't even hear anything that you just said. They're just reacting. And that becomes very dangerous. 
The next step is the nonverbal communication. We know how important in communicating with each other are our body language. So our facial expressions, our hand gestures, our pose, anything mm-hmm. that can send out a trigger to another person, or I may be unaware that I'm triggering you just because I'm talking at you directly. And that may be a trigger for you, which is then in conflict with my style of communication. Mm-hmm. And finally, verbals, I mean, power of words. So a big part of emotional intelligence and understanding how we're communicating, not only for others to understand, but how we're understanding ourselves is through the word choices that we decide to select. So are we empowering ourselves? Are we empowering others? Are we opening up spaces for people to communicate with us? Or are we closing ourselves and are we closing other spaces down? So we got to really pay attention to the communication aspect of emotional intelligence. And I think when we focus in on that, then we'll start to go into more of a higher level of emotional intelligence and away from that low level. So what is something that somebody can do to be, you know, regulate that, to be in tune with how they're communicating, how other people are perceiving them, all those different cues that you just mentioned, what can they do to improve upon that? Because I do think that communication is the first issue when it comes to any kind of relationship. Observation. That's the key to everything that we do. We have to open ourselves up to observe what the communication and dialogue is happening. So if you're communicating with someone, are you aware of how you're communicating with that person? And are you sending out triggers and red flags that may be the cause of miscommunication? Also, be aware of how you're communicating or that person's communicating back with you. Time is everything, right? Have you ever had someone ask you something in the morning and you're not a morning person? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Your response was totally not the best, but that same person came back and asked you the same question in the afternoon and you were happy, you weren't hangry anymore, so you were able to respond. And that person went, wait a minute, am I talking to two different people? Is it the same person? A lot of times communication is about timing. You got to nail it. You got to make sure that you are observing. Is this the right time? Am I being appropriate? And unfortunately, a lot of people go through life not thinking about the other person, but just thinking about themselves. And even though that's good with emotional intelligence, we still have to think about the interpersonal part of communication. And so with the fact that, you know, understanding and seeing people's reactions, We've been locked in for the past year, you know, and we're this summer is going to be the first summer. I feel like in a while, but it's just been a year. But like we now we're going to get back into in these in-person in-person interactions. So (laughs) what are we supposed to do? How are we how do we embrace that? Because we know that when you're back with people, things change. You're not used to being around so many people. So how can we ease into that? So I'm excited about it, uh, but I'm also a little fearful as well. So I think it kind of goes into the, are you a person that is really missing interaction with other people? What's going to probably happen is your temperature is going to rise a lot more when you're around people. So be aware of that as well. Uh, What that just means is that all of your internal uh, triggers are happening, right? You're excited, you're anticipating um, fun, you're, you're thinking back to what how it used to be. You're wondering, is it still safe? So you have all these different types of thoughts that are happening at one time that you really do still have to be cautious that are, am I effectively communicating that I want to be here? Because sometimes you can look excited, but come across looking like you're afraid, right? 
So if you, you're excited to be there, but you're standing off in a corner or you're at a table by yourself, you got to think about what signals am I sending out there? Am I really going to be that approachable? I think on the other end, those of us that are finding that we are comfortable being at home, because I have to raise my hand with that. <laughs> I have learned that even though a lot of people think that I like to be out all the time, I really have found that my centering is being home. And with me being home, I'm really getting to be in touch with and self-aware of how I'm communicating. And so I'm not totally looking forward to being out there. But when I get out there, I am going to recognize that we're going to be picking up on signals with each other. And that's just how life is. So don't run away from it. Don't, you know, turn around and not you talk to a person because that is communicating as well. Right. You turn yourself away from me. You're saying I'm closed off. I don't want to talk to you. So if that's not the message that you want to send, uh, send out, then make sure that you're working towards that. And the final thing is Think about what you're going to wear. And I know the ladies on here are like, we're oh, yeah. talking about this. <laughs> uh, That's a good point, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just like what Denise was saying. Like, it's physical. It's so many different parts of it that really contribute to how you're feeling and how you're able to communicate. So, yeah, that's yes. a great point. Continue with yes. that. So if you're really excited and you see people that have like happy colors on, bright colors on, you tend to want to attract yourselves to those people. Now, okay, so there's there's a group of us that love to wear our black, right? Mm -hmm. But what I always say when we do that, think about bling because things that shine and sparkle also attract people as well. So there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but get get ready, get get ready to be out there. You're going to probably see all colors of the rainbow. <laughs> Some of us are going to wear everything that's in our closet that we didn't get to wear. Some of us are going to overdo it. And then finally, we'll start to back down into a normal way that we are used to communicating. And then it, things will get back to, I say better. I don't say normal. I say better. better. I like that. Mm -hmm. So Sylvia, you've talked about self-awareness. What are some questions that we can ask ourselves to really gauge where we're at when it comes to being self-aware? Because I think that's, a, we need to know where we are in order to know where we need to improve, right? Well, that's true. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to self-awareness, I, I would say that one of the things to ask yourself is, you know, do I think of myself as being pretty good at regulating my own emotions, right? Um, even even uh, Dr. Reed was talking about going out, you know, now that COVID is sort of, uh, well, becoming less of a threat or something in this society, right? Maybe not in other parts of the world, but just, you know, just being able to 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 mat to to be mindful of your I call it the monologue minding the monologue the conversations mm -hmm. that you have with yourself because we, we've all got we've been cooped up we've probably gotten so robotic and unaware of the conversation we're having with ourselves which is which is which is what will keep us grounded to how we're feeling how we should behave in every given moment you know mm -hmm. so one of the questions to be asking is you know do I think of myself as someone who's pretty regulated with with respect to emotions and if your honest answer is no then you kind of look at what what can i do what am i doing differently you know the, but the the main thing that helps us with our emotional triggers and the awareness of that is the self-talk if you have mm. no idea how you talk to yourself in those testy challenging moments then then you're literally going to be in trouble you know and i like to mm. say that and maybe um Denisia, Dr. Reed will agree with me that emotional intelligence is not a skill that we need to call upon and practice in times that are hunky-dory. When everything is peachy, your relationships are all firing on cylinders. You know, it's we need emotional intelligence in those inconvenient and challenging moments mm. of our lives. You know, mm. when you are triggered, it's it's convenient to just yell at somebody and strike. You know, it's inconvenient right. to have to manage 
you know, take a moment, a step back, right? That's not fun, but we have to do it. So emotional intelligence, practicing it doesn't, isn't always fun, but it sure as heck makes us fun to be around. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. I think that is something that, you know, we think, oh, we just need to get it. We need to have it. It needs to just when it's not when things are nice, but it really does help us get through. I mean, we probably should have been having this conversation when the pandemic first started, but it's OK, because it's still <laughs> a challenging time because we're still trying to get back into the swing of things. So, Denise, did you have what did you what do you think about when it comes to self-awareness and like what would happen if we were all a little more self-aware, had a little more empathy for each other, could regulate our emotions a little bit better? Uh, I think, well, I think <laughs> that it could, I, I'm just like tickled about a, a few things. But, <laughs> but I mean, I think that with, with the self-awareness, right? And also what I love about what Sylvia said, and really I'm just going to recap it, is really it's the totality of who you are. Mm -hmm. It's your wholeness, right? It's that like, it's appreciating that you are angered. Mm -hmm. It's appreciating that you are sad. It's appreciating that you are worried. It's appreciating that you feel joy. Like, I think that that's a big thing when it comes to empathy, when it comes to emotional intelligence. And when people, um, they think about like managing emotions and whatnot, they only tend to predominantly focus on the ones that we have deemed as negative. Mm. And then management comes to squashing it. And the thing is, is that I, I'm not a big proponent of it. We see it in Eastern medicine. When you squash these emotions, they come up in different ways mm -hmm. and they come out physically. And um, and the way they come out physically also varies. And that's actually one of the coolest things is being able to, to decipher and help discern in which way within the organ systems that it comes out. Mm -hmm. And, but with the awareness, it's simply that. And I think too, is just becoming aware and offering yourself grace that you yeah. are having that emotion. Like that's the thing is, is not to squash it immediately but to become aware that it's even happening and then going into this space of what happened here? <laughs> like yeah. in the pause, like yeah. what happened here? Why was I tickled in this way? Mm -hmm. This experience. Letting it flow, letting it be, understanding it, being okay yeah. with it. Yeah. To just literally be present, mm -hmm. to be, to observe. And, and that's how I, I, that's why I think that we could actually through that awareness and, and, and of observing, then we're able to pinpoint more so about what is it about this experience. And another thing with the awareness comes being careful to not take it personally. Mm. And so when I, when I say that, what I mean is like, this is how we can truly, truly, I feel healing occurs in the root is by understanding that as you're learning these things, the packaging it comes in, AKA, it could be an ex, it could be a teacher, it could be a parent, but for some reason they're all doing, it's the same thing that that is happening, that it's, you're responding to. Mm -hmm. And that's because despite the packaging it comes in, there's the message. Mm -hmm. And then there's the learning opportunity. So to depersonalize from it, I believe it's helpful because then that can help increase in your own empathy, mm -hmm. but then also your own emotional intelligence in the sense that like you won't get angered only at that person for mm -hmm. something. 
right? Like it's understanding where they're coming from. It's opening the doors to have the communication with them and learning from their, from their perspective, Mm -hmm. seeing how you're responding to it. Right. Like, and, and I think all of it goes along it, it all works together. Not one thing is going to be it. Um, but with the awareness, just to give yourself that grace that you're learning, you're evolving throughout the whole time as well. Yeah. Dr. Reed, did you have something you wanted to add to her? Yeah, I do. I want to add the fact that we're thankful that you can learn emotional intelligence. Okay. Yes. First of all, so if you're <laughs> out there and you're wondering, do I have it or do I not have it? There are quizzes that you can take to figure out if you have high emotional intelligence or low emotional intelligence, Mm -hmm. where you rank on the spectrum. That's the first thing that you have to do. We talk about self-awareness, but the first step is you have to be aware that you need to be (laughs) self-aware. And a lot of times we don't. And when we're having these conversations and we're using these terms that we understand, the way I think about it is We've been talking and teaching emotional intelligence for years, right? Right. It became popular in the 90s, but we continue to talk about this when we talk about interpersonal communication, when we talk about intrapersonal communication. But at work, when we are now talking about inclusivity, we're talking about it at work, right? Mm -hmm. Spaces, we're teaching collaboration, we're teaching empathy, we're making sure that we're working on our conflict resolution, cooperation, all of those are aspects of emotional intelligence. And I bet you, once you start really digging into it, you'll see a pattern where it began, because that was one of the questions. When do we begin with? Yeah, with emo- mm-hmm. And I'm sure you can date back to finding out, is this something that was practiced within your home? Because the yeah. first- We're going to get into that. We're definitely going to get into that. Like, where was that, where was that break and really understand our emotions or being- being okay with our emotions. We're definitely getting into that with, with our with our next set of guests. But before I bring them on and let you all ladies go and bring the um, our psychologists on, Sylvia, what is, if you wanted to leave somebody with, you know, tips and tools and strategies they can start doing right now, today, to really improve where they are at emotionally with their emotional intelligence, what would you say? So I'm gonna just say one real quick, and I, I hate to introduce the term in the time we have, but. I would say focus on the emotional aftertaste you leave in the hearts and minds of people you interact with. Ooh, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. You said the emotional aftertaste. Yes, because every okay. every single Let's person you on that. <laughs> right. Everyone you interact with, whether we know it or not, you leave an aftertaste that people mm. feel a certain way having been in your presence. And it's either mm. typically bitter or sweet. So start to focus on the emotional aftertaste you leave behind in the hearts and minds of others. And you do that by thinking in advance of what you would like people to feel as a result of interacting with you. Yeah. Mm. That's in a nutshell. I'm <laughs> sorry to blurt it out so quickly, but Well, yes. I think you just, everybody now was like, oh, I'm going to be thinking about that. <laughs> like, I'm going to be thinking about that. And what about you, Denise? What would you what would you say to the, the viewers watching? <laughs> what would be my tip? Yes. To actually realize that you are whole and complete. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not fragmented. Even as you go out and you learn more about emotional intelligence and about empathy and communication, it's simply becoming more aware and educating yourself so that you are evolving even more and expanding even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that because sometimes you'll see the uh, self 
deprecating talk. Yeah. <laughs> the the why did I do this or why am I this or why didn't awesome. anybody teach me this? Yeah, and it's kind of like, uh, you know, just know that right here, right now, you're whole and complete. Mm-hmm. And then through education and through awareness, you're actually evolving yourself and expanding even more so that you become more in who you are authentically. Mm-hmm. And I say stay grounded in who you are authentically, then everything else will fall into place we'll fall in line. and, and it. it'll come more easily. Love it. And Dr. Ree, I know you've given us tips, so... Did you have anything else that you wanted to leave with us? Yeah, I do. Of course, you know, I do. <laughs> so I want to piggyback off the, the, the first one, kind of both of you all. But I want you to think about the process of unfreezing, meaning taking where you're at and being OK with thawing it out, figuring it out and then refreezing it and then mm-hmm. maybe having to unfreeze it again. Right. So you're going through the process a couple of times. So what we're talking about today and what the next speakers will talk about, it's not a one time fix all. Right. And that's the part that I think we're all saying with you all, this is a process that you're going to have grow with you along your journey. So wherever you are in your life, emotional intelligence will go with you. And it's not going to be a, I got it, I solved it, I can check that off in the box and now I can move on. No, you're gonna unfreeze it again because there's going to be some situation that you're going to run across that you may not have ran across before because perception is real. And a lot of times the way we think may not be how somebody else thinks. So you have to relearn that situation again. So don't be afraid of unfreezing it and saying, okay, maybe I thought I was good. I'm not quite there. I need to read that and then try it out over again a couple of more times. You'll get it. It'll stick. We'll get it. We'll get it. Well, I am so grateful for you all and for laying this foundation and really helping us understand how all of these um, aspects fit together, what emotional intelligence really is, and the fact that it is really our emotions that we have to get comfortable with. It is our our wholeness, ourselves, that we have to get comfortable with. And I'm excited for our clinical psychologists to come on and really help us get to the bare bones of this. So I hope they're ready for this next part because I hope y'all are ready because it's about to be a good one. So thank you, Dr. Reed. Thank you, Sylvia. Thank you, Denicia. And let me introduce our next couple of guests, y'all. Um, so we have got Dr. Smedley, who is a licensed clinical psychologist. And she, hello, Dr. Smedley. <laughs> Welcome. She has a history of providing services to adults and children. Her clinical interests are in trauma, relationships, self-care, and faith theology. She specifically has a heart for the Black community and advocates for the importance of removing stigma from mental health. Our next guest is Dr. Raquel Martin, who is also a licensed clinical psychologist. And her experience as a psychologist, researcher, and professor makes her a great fit to discuss the intricacies of the Black experience trauma-based interventions, coordinating community resources, and coalition building. She prides herself on being a mentor, educator, advocate, and advocate for the next generation of clinicians. Welcome to the show, ladies. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. Doing well. Thank you so much for jumping in today. And really, you're here to, you know, we've learned what emotional intelligence is. We've learned what the importance of communication and of empathy, but sometimes it's just not that easy to really understand our emotions. And that's what you all are gonna help us do. <laughs> you really help us gonna get down to the core of it. And you know, we need people like you all to help us hold us accountable. And um, you know, so let's talk about that. 
how can we get more comfortable with knowing our emotions? Dr. Smelly, if you want to take that. Sure. So I think historically uh, for the black community, we haven't had the affordability, the time, the resources to actually stop and rest. And what does self-care look like? Um, so making sure that we are being intentional about checking in, asking ourselves how we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, is it taking that time to acknowledge, okay, I know that I default to these maybe two or three emotions, but how else can I experience how I'm doing, how I'm feeling, how I'm navigating and functioning in relationships and at work and mm -hmm. uh, all of the things. So just making that uh, intentional space to, to really identify how you're doing how and doing. slowing down. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Dr. Martin? What is, how can we get comfortable with knowing our emotions and being okay with all the different things that we're always feeling? Um, I completely agree with Dr. Smedley. I would also say understanding the range in your emotions because, you know, a lot of times we'll talk about anger and a lot of people don't realize like anger is a secondary emotion. Like you're not, you know, you're not just walking around angry. Now, are you walking around fearful, stressed out, possibly fatigued? Yes. Is that manifesting as anger? Probably. But like you're not just walking around angry and even having the time to talk more about the range of emotions because we use the words. Oh, let's talk about that real quick. What <laughs> I mean, there's ranges. So what are the ranges of, of emotions? It's like there's a difference between being hungry and starving, right? Okay. There's a difference between being happy and ecstatic. There's a difference between being tired and like exasperated and on the floor. Um, and I feel <laughs> like when you describe those better, you also know what to do during those times, mm -hmm. right? So if I tell you I'm hungry, and you bring me like some crackers, fine. If I tell you I'm starving and you bring me some crackers, uh -uh. we're not gonna have the same response, right? So like we're using these words to describe these emotions and we're not using the right one. So we're not getting the right response, right? Like we're not getting the right outlet. Cause people, you know, if we have an amazing support system, they're trying to help you. But if you brought me, I said, I'm starving. I haven't eaten in days. You gave me crackers. <laughs> What did I? Why did? What did I do to hurt you? Why did you do this to me? Because it's just made like, it hear anything I just said. Why? <laughs> but it's also just like Dr. Smedley said. Like, how often do people, Black people, really get the chance to ruminate on their emotions yeah. and take the time to, you know, respond instead of react? Like, when do when do we get to do that? Like, we don't really get to do that at yeah. all. Um, that's kind of the amazing aspect, one of the many, of being a psychologist because you get to be able to be like, okay, so. You've been out in this realm all day, but for this like hour, we get to actually ruminate on like the things that are concerning you and that you've talked about. So let's get into it. And most of the yeah. time, like, I've been mad about this for weeks. I know it seems like it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I mean, being aware of the amount of drama in the black community, you know, that we've experienced over just the course of the last year, mm -hmm. it definitely hindered our ability to, you know, be in tune with our emotions and really develop quality and emotional intelligence skills, what can we do about that? Where can we go? What needs to start happening today to really get in tune with our emotions and building our emotional intelligence? Well, I think it's about making intentional space and time to do that. I think our default is numbing, right? And sometimes yeah. numbing is appropriate because we have to take care of ourselves. There's only so much stimulus and trauma and pain that we can take at one time. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's appropriate sometimes to veg out on the show or to to not think about things intentionally. But then, at the time, about it. 
Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's a guilt is a whole nother. <laughs> <laughs> but to um, make sure that you are uh, not letting that build up, as mm-hmm. Dr. Martin was just saying, because yes, once you finally do decide to come to therapy and that first conversation can happen, and sometimes it's like, okay, that, that was 20 years and 50 minutes. So let's unpack this. Right. So okay. what does it look like when somebody comes to like, if somebody's like, all right, I'm going to come to therapy. I, I'm aware of my emotions are out of whack. It's been a long time coming. There's so much going on. What is that going to look like coming to your office? Dr. Martin, what is, what are they coming to your office? How are you talking to them? What can they expect? What are you going to do so that they leave your office that session feeling like, this is going to help me handle my emotions and the emotions of those people around me. We kind of just kick it. No. (laughs) (laughs) So what's happening? (laughs) Honestly, no, for real. Like, I think one of the things that makes people so concerned about coming to therapy is they think we're going to be like these uptight people don't know nothing about nothing, you know, come in there, just sit in there. Cardigan. I do love a good cardigan though, but you know, just being so uptight and, Therapy is all about goal setting. And then, you know, during therapy, the time is your time. So it's always dedicated to you. But how I am as a person is how I am as a clinician. Like, you know, I don't know too many uptight black folk. I'm gonna be real with you. Like as much stuff as we have to go through, we're very little from crying sometimes. So like you come in, first session is, you know, it's rapport building, it's talking about goals, because therapy is about goals. People think you're just laying on the couch and you're gonna be in therapy forever. My job is to not have a job. You know, mm-hmm. my job is to, we identify goals, we collaborate on those goals. I am not telling you what to do. We decide, you know, we come to those conclusions together. We're collaborating. You're the expert on you. But when mm-hmm. it comes to therapy and identifying trends and identifying having an outside source or even just being able to say it out loud without judgment, because part of it is, of course, the skills that we bring. But part of it is the fact that some people have never had any aspect of a relationship where they have been heard without judgment, have had objective, you know, responses in their life. So part of it is, of course, our training. We've been in school forever. You is, know? That being heard, is that being heard without judgment helpful then when it goes comes to relationships with other people? Because I also want people to understand the importance of therapy and helping them improve their own relationships. So what's the connection there? I think it's important to realize there are two different relationships too. So um, the one difference and what what I think is one of the most amazing things about therapy is it's a reciprocal relationship to a certain extent, but it's the reciprocity for me is you showing up and and, and being there, but it's dedicated to you. Now when it comes to relationships with other people, there needs to be more reciprocity, right? There is more give and take. You come into my session, you ask me how my day was, that's what's up. You don't have to go. You don't have to go. We're here for. But if right. you go out with like friends, uh, boyfriends, husbands, uh, girlfriends, partners, and don't care about what they're doing that day, I mean, that's not, you know. Well, that's the low emotional intelligence that they referred to earlier, which is yeah. just like you think that you're important and nobody else around you matters. And that yeah, really has to read the room. Yeah, it's different um, when it comes mm-hmm. down to it, but it translates because that emotional intelligence does translate. If you're holding mm-hmm. so much stuff in and you're thinking you're feeling anger and you realize you're monitoring yourself, like Dr. Smelly said, and you realize that like, oh, I respond to my fear in this way, that's going to mm-hmm. translate outside a session. You know, you're going to realize that, am I angry or am I scared about what this relationship is going to bring into my life? Or have I been at a job that I've been burnt out for years and then it's coming home with me? 
which is mm-hmm. what most of us are dealing with. <laughs> you know, it's it's just very different. I think it translates because once you know better, you do better. And once you name it, you can actually, you know, claim what it is. And so many people aren't doing that. They don't have the space to do it. They're not naming it. So Dr. Smelly, what is the risk of not naming, claiming, and understanding our emotions? Uh, terrible relationships, work problems, um, passing it down to kids. That's what we call generational mm. trauma sometimes. Mm. Um, poor physical health. Somebody mentioned that earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. I just think that it impacts so many different domains of how we function. And mm-hmm. so thinking about how the risk of not healing um, impacts, lowers uh, emotional intelligence and just the ability, capacity to be empathy, to, to be empathic also. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when people have unmet emotional needs, the last thing on their mind is trying to figure out how to be there or put themselves in somebody else's shoes. Somebody else, yeah. So, so they have to work on themselves first before trying to have any kind of relationships, any kind of conversations with anybody else. And that's the hard part. That's a hard piece because we automatically, we gravitate towards other people. We want to have relationships with other people, but they're not going to be positive if we're broken inside. Right. And we're going to start seeing some of the same patterns too, because it's so easy to go through relationships doing the blame game, but the common denominator is often the person in the mirror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dr. is like, yep. <laughs> So that's where therapy can be helpful too, because I'm a believer that any relationship is a mirror, but the power of the therapeutic relationship is that, yes, we don't, we're not here to kick it and be friends like that. This is an honest look at, well, who's the person do you want to be and how can we help you to get there? Mm-hmm. So Dr. Breed mentioned earlier about, you know, us getting back out there to, in the summertime. Are you having conversations with people who have this anxiety about getting back out there and having in-person interactions? What are you saying to people? What is your advice for people to be comfortable with it? Because it is anxiety inducing. (laughs) Absolutely. For me, it's been about gradual exposure. So maybe you're overwhelmed with the thought of getting dressed and making lunch and going back to the office and sitting in traffic. Mm -hmm. So don't do that yet. Practice. Just start getting dressed again. And then once you're back in that routine, right, once you're back in that routine, um, drive by the office, remind Mm -hmm. yourself what it's like to do that commute. So break those, that big, big step into small steps. I love that. Dr. Martin, what do you, what do you say to people who are just like, no, please, no, another round, (laughs) please, like... Uh, I think Dr. Smedley said it perfectly, uh, back gradual exposure. Uh, and for people who feel like um, none of it's going to work, uh, rethink why we need to go back to that scenario in the first place. I think that there's so many people are like, uh, there are jobs that are hiring and it's hard to get people in. But I think individuals have rethought what's important to them. Mm-hmm. And now yeah. they that it's like, you know, not for me. <laughs> you know, like this isn't what I want to do. So if it's so debilitating, where even it's like, okay, can you get put on just the shirt, not the pants today? No. Okay. Can you drive past it? Not doing it. No. Okay. So what's the the up? What's holding you up? It's the mm-hmm. fact that I was miserable there and I refuse to be miserable again. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel so, you. <laughs> but if it's not a cho- if it's not a choice for them to just be like, okay, I'm gonna quit right now and drop mm-hmm. and do everything. What else can they do? 
I think just what, about being, social, what about social interactions as well? Like there's weddings, social events, barbecues, all kinds of stuff that are going to happen. That social anxiety is real as well. It's not just going, it's not just work related. It's also personal. Yeah, I would say one, acknowledging it is a freedom piece because sometimes the discomfort is like, I don't know what's wrong, like why I don't want to do this. But even with the social interactions, provide yourself with the peace to understand that the same way we were comfortable, some people, um, where it was a valid excuse like, oh, I don't, I'm not trying to get this flesh eating virus, so I'm not going to go. Um, you can also say to yourself, I, I want to be there for 15, 20 minutes. Even if it's something, you know, if you need help having it out, see if there are other people who can support you in the out. I think most women have had that friend who's like, listen, call me in 10 minutes. This man is right. So you it's a similar interaction. It's like the things yeah. that we do to get away from some guy who we don't want to talk to, yeah, use out of the social situation that might be causing you anxiety. It sounds silly, but it's a real strategy. Yeah, because there's nothing wrong with um, setting alarms to just be yeah. like, oh, that's, that's my boss, man. He'd be tripping. I got to go. You know, or, and you can, you know, it may, you may decide that you want to be more forthright with it later. But if you're mm -hmm. not at that point, I don't, I don't mind how you get to exit the situation as long as you get to exit the situation and be more comfortable. We can, we right. can focus on, you know, less silly ways and being more forthright later. But all I care about is you getting back to your comfort zone. So yeah. if your comfort zone is leaving, I don't care if you randomly got to run out you're out. I don't care if someone has to call you. I don't care if you have to set a timer. I don't care if you have to make some non-negotiable appointment that can't be met. Like a lot of people care about their pets, right? And if mm -hmm. you know, like I can only stay here three hours or my I have to feed my dog. Right. You I said. Mean, well, people yeah. will leave for their pets and just be like, no, my dog needs to be fed. I'm not about this life. I have to leave. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the reason is. We can process that later. But when it comes to social interactions, set a timer, see if you have to leave. Identify what's making you uncomfortable. Like Dr. Mm -hmm. Smelly monitor yourself to say like it's i just feel this fear and if you can't get out of the job at which most of us i mean you know right it's not just that easy yeah just identifying the fact that i am going to have an exit strategy makes you feel relief just the fact that you know that like i am going to leave in mm -hmm. four to eight weeks it makes it more engaging to like look for jobs because looking for right. jobs you know sometimes you really do just need to identify it and instead of holding it in saying it out loud like I do not like identifying that. your emotions, community, having those conversations with yourselves, have it. It's all tied into everything we've been talking about today. It's just like being aware of your emotions, communicating with people and just having that intelligence to know that there's something wrong. I'm feeling a certain way, but I, I acknowledge it and I'm aware and I'm going to continue to address it. Yeah. And you may not be comfortable saying it to anyone else, but you may be comfortable saying it in session. Yeah. And that's, that's a big step anyway, just to get it, just to get it out there, just to be like, I do not like this person. Okay, well, they're not here. You can say all you want. They're not sitting with us. Having a safe space. So therapy really does help with these crucial components of emotional intelligence, the self-awareness, the self-management, the social awareness, and the overall relationship skills, yeah? Absolutely. Well, I am so grateful that you all have come through and really helped to get to the get to the core of this because I think these are conversations that we need to have more often. We don't have as often as we probably should, and we don't have them with the right people. And it matters in so many different areas of our lives, personally, professionally. Everything that we do stems around our ability to communicate and relate to other people. So I, I'm thankful to you all. What would you want to leave with the viewers today when it comes to being in, okay with your emotions, accepting who you are, as Denicia said earlier, giving yourself the grace 
to accept where you are? What, what are some tips and tools that you want to leave with our viewers today? I think I would uh, echo what's already been said, but just to remind people that healing is a journey and sometimes the direction of moving forward is more important than how fast you're moving forward. Just make that decision to start. Yeah, I think that's amazing because, you know, a lot of times you hear people say, I took three steps forward and two steps back. I mean, but technically that's still one step forward though. So like, I'm still gonna count this as a win. Um, and understanding it's not linear. Like some days you will be on it with your coping skills. You decided to remove yourself from that situation. You breathe through it. Other days it didn't work. Um, and that doesn't mean that your progress isn't there. That doesn't. That just means that maybe you need to rotate the skills. Because as your stressors evolve, so do your coping skills and your ability to use them, mm -hmm. right? So it's not always gonna be linear, but don't feel like a complete failure, which is a lot of times where we go. People go like this, yes, but you're like, still moving up. Y'all escalated that real quickly. Oh my gosh. Like, you know, just, just being like, oh, I only got to get out of bed today. I, I appreciate the fact that you got to get out of bed today. There is no only. Or acknowledging the fact that you can have two dueling emotions at the same time. I am fearful and happy. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm happy, but I'm fearful. I'm, I'm fearful and I'm happy. Mm -hmm. Just acknowledging that and rotate the skills because sometimes we think that Coping skills are supposed to, you're supposed to be at a stress of a 10 and it takes you down to a zero. No. Right. Sometimes, even if it takes you to an eight, you're at a better place to process than you were when you were at that high level of anxiety. So give it give it time and be happy for getting out of bed. That's a big. That's a win. That's a that's win. A yeah. Win. Well, thank you. I want to bring up Dr. Reed again and also Denicia just to say thank you, ladies, for joining and being so open and transparent and providing such great information to us today. I know that all of the people watching right now and everybody watching the replay is going to really appreciate this conversation. And they've taken something away in that. It's okay for us to have these spectrum of emotions, but give yourself grace, acknowledge it, find the people that you can talk to about it and just continue to embrace the journey. We will, we're getting back to better, not necessarily normal as Dr. Reed said, but we are definitely getting back to better. And we're all here on the journey together, supporting one another. So Dr. Smedley, Dr. Martin, Denicia, Dr. Reed, I know Sylvia had to step away. Thank you all again, everybody watching. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you found today's episode very valuable and I'll be back next week and we'll be talking about women's health next week. Yes, all about women's health. So once again, thank you all for being such a great audience. I will see you all again next week. Have a good afternoon, everyone. <laughs>